Hey everybody, I just wanted to insert this in somewhere and decided to do it before the episode. Since I created this episode before, the world turned upside down. It doesn't seem right to just keep throwing entertainment out there without acknowledging the elephant in the room. I talk more about this in last week's episode called Courage, if you want to go and check that out. But I just wanted to state that, yes, the world is in a very scary place right now. Here at Dark Softly Tales, we listen to scary stories here. We tell scary stories here. But the world is a scary place right now. It's not like this safe place where we're listening to scary stories. We're actually experiencing, we're kind of in a place we've never been before. There's some very real dangers that threaten not just our countries, but our world as we know it. It's easy to let our monkey minds take over and feel fear and panic. And I just want to encourage you to take a few minutes today, or whenever you're feeling that fear, to just take a couple deep breaths and acknowledge it. And then let it pass and connect with the higher part of yourself. The higher part that realizes or recognizes that we're all one, that we're all part of the divine plan, no matter what you consider the divine source, God, Allah, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Go to that higher part of yourself and use your imagination to see resolution, compassion, kindness, to see people going back home to their families, seeing people have comfort, food, water, shelter, seeing the communities working together, the world working together. Because when you choose that higher vision, in a sense, you're bringing it into being. It's like writing a story. When you pull this vision out of nowhere, and breathe life into it, that small story becomes a part of all stories. And every time someone reads that story, it becomes more of the collective conscious. And we learn, and we empathize, and we get triggered into new perspectives, and we heal. There are great scientists and physicists like Einstein, Heisenberg, Stephen Hawking that have talked about quantum theory, quantum mechanics, quantum timelines. And just for fun, you can go to YouTube and look up the butterfly effect, which will blow your mind. But when you take time to imagine and envision a peaceful resolution of our countries, of our planet, the more details you can put in, the better. And what you're doing, like writing a story, is creating a new quantum timeline where there is peace and comfort in our planet. And once you envision this timeline, just like a story, that timeline exists and it influences and can even replace the timeline that we're sharing and shaping together. I promise you, when you come back from that higher version of yourself, that higher vision, you'll feel much more at peace knowing that we are all simply a thread of a beautiful tapestry that is far larger, far more vast than we could ever possibly imagine. 
and you're one of those creators of it. We're all creators of our reality. We all have a choice. We all have breath. We all have the freedom to use it. Okay, everyone. This episode will probably run a little bit longer than usual, but I felt I needed to address this. Enjoy today's episode, and as always, shine bright, dark hearts. Footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to Your Nightmares, where we like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. And this week, we have The April Witch by Ray Bradbury. It was originally published in the Saturday Evening Post back in 1952. And yeah, you all know how much I like Ray Bradbury by now, so I'll spare you the long intro. The April Witch has always been one of my favorites. I feel like there's a lot of authenticity in the way that Bradbury approaches the Fae. He mixes that with a 17-year-old and drops her into the middle of a romance drama. Fun stuff. And for me, at least, it's a little creepy. And it makes me wonder, when I get an idea to say something or do something, was that actually my idea? Or was it someone or something else's? But don't worry, I got your hand. There's nothing to be afraid of, is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. The April Witch by Ray Bradbury Narrated by Mav Sky Into the air and over the valleys Under the stars and above a river A pond, a road, flew Cece Invisible as new spring winds Fresh as the breath of clover Rising from twilight fields she flew She soared in doves as soft as white ermine, stopped in trees and lived in blossoms, showering away in petals when the breeze blew. She perched in a lime-green frog, cool as mint by a shining pool. She trotted in a brambly dog and barked to hear echoes from the sides of distant barns. She lived in new April grasses, and sweet, clear liquids rising from the musky earth. It's spring, thought Cece. I'll be in every living thing in the world tonight. 
Now she inhabited neat crickets on the tarpole roads, now prickled in dew on an iron gate. Hers was an adaptably quick mind, flowing unseen upon Illinois' winds on this one evening of her life, when she was just 17. I want to be in love, she said. She had said it at supper, and her parents had widened their eyes and stiffened back in their chairs. Patience had been their advice. Remember, you're remarkable. Our whole family is odd and remarkable. We can't mix or marry with ordinary folk. We'd lose our magical powers if we did. You wouldn't want to lose your ability to travel by magic, would you? Then be careful. Be careful. But in her high bedroom, Cece had touched perfume to her throat and stretched out, trembling and apprehensive. On her four-poster as the moon, the color of milk, rose over Illinois' country, turning rivers to cream and roads to platinum. Yes, she sighed. I'm one of an odd family. We sleep days and fly nights like black kites on the wind. If we want, we can sleep in moles through the winter, in the warm earth. I can live in anything at all. A pebble, a crocus, or a praying mantis. I can leave my plain, bony body behind and send my mind far out for adventure. The wind whipped her away over fields and meadows. She saw the warm spring lights of cottages and farms glowing with twilight colors. If I can't be in love myself because I'm plain and odd, then I'll be in love through someone else, she thought. Outside a farmhouse in the spring night, a dark-haired girl, no more than 19, drew up water from a deep stone well. She was singing. Cece fell, a green leaf into the well. She lay in the tender moss of the well, gazing up through the dark coolness. Now she quickened in a fluttering, invisible amoeba. Now in a water droplet. At last, within a cold cup, she felt herself lifted to the girl's warm lips. There was a soft sound of drinking. Cece looked out from the girl's eyes. She entered into the dark head and gazed from the shining eyes of the hands pulling the rough rope. She listened through the shell ears to this girl's world. She smelled a particular universe through these delicate nostrils, felt this special heart beating, beating, felt this strange tongue move with singing. Does she know I'm here? thought Cece. The girl gasped. She stared into the night meadows. Who's there? No answer. Only the wind, whispered Cece. Only the wind. The girl laughed at herself, but shivered. It was a good body, this girl's body. It held bones of the finest slender ivory, thin and roundly fleshed. This brain was like a pink tea rose, hung in the darkness and there was cider wine in this mouth. The lips lay firm on the white, white teeth, and the brows arched neatly at the world, and the hair blew soft and fine on her milky neck. 
The pores knit small and close, and the nose tilted at the moon, and the cheeks glowed like small fires. The body drifted with feather balances from one motion to the other, and seemed always singing to itself. Being in this body, this head, was like basking in earth fire, living in the purr of a sleeping cat, stirring in warm creek waters that flowed by night to the sea. I like it here, thought Cece. What? asked the girl, as if she heard a voice. What's your name? asked Cece carefully. Anne Leary. The girl twitched. Now why should I say that out loud? Anne, whispered Cece. Anne, you're going to be in love. As if to answer this, a great roar sprang from the road, a clatter and a ring of wheels on gravel. A tall man drove up in a rig, holding the reins high with his monstrous arms, his smile glowing across the yard. Is that you, Tom? Who else? Leaping from the rig, he tied the reins to the fence. I'm not speaking to you. Anne whirled, the bucket in her hand slopping. No, cried Cece. Anne froze. She looked at the hills and the first spring stars. She stared at the man named Tom. Cece made her drop the bucket. Oh, look what you've done. Tom ran up. Look at what you made me do. He wiped her shoes with a kerchief, laughing. Get away. She kicked at his hands, but he laughed again, and gazing down on him from miles away, Cece saw the turn of his head, the size of his skull, the flare of his nose, the shine of his eye, the girth of his shoulder, the hard strength of his hands doing this delicate thing with a handkerchief. Peering down from the secret attic of this lovely head, Cece yanked a hidden copper ventriloquist wire, and the pretty mouth popped wide. Oh, so you have manners. The smell of leather on his hands, the smell of the horse rose from his clothes into the tender nostrils, and Cece, far, far away over night meadows and flowered fields, stirred as with some dream in her bed. Not for you, no, said Anne. Hush, speak gently, said Cece. She moved Anne's fingers out towards Tom's head. Anne snatched them back. I've gone mad. You have, he nodded, smiling but bewildered. Were you going to touch me then? I don't know. Oh, just go away. Her cheeks glowed with pink charcoals. Why don't you run? I'm not stopping you. Tom got up. Have you changed your mind? Will you go to the dance with me tonight? It's special. I'll tell you why later. No, said Anne. Yes, cried Cece. I've never danced. I always wanted to dance. I've never worn a long gown, all rustly. I want that. I want to dance all night. I've never known what it's like to be in a woman. Dancing. Father and mother would never permit it. 
dogs, cats, locusts, leaves, everything else in the world at one time or another I've known. But never a woman in the spring, never on a night like this. Oh, please, we must go to that dance. She spread her thought like the fingers of a hand within a new glove. Yes, said Anne Leary. I'll go. I don't know why, but I'll go to this dance with you tonight, Tom. Now, inside, quick, cried Cece. You must wash. Tell your folks. Get your gown ready. Out with the iron and into your room. Mother, said Anne, I've changed my mind. The rig was galloping off down the pike. The rooms of the farmhouse jumped to life. Water was boiling for a bath. The coal stove was heating an iron to press the gown. The mother was rushing about with a fringe of hairpins in her mouth. What's come over you, Anne? You don't like Tom. That's true. Anne stopped amidst the great fever. But it's spring, thought Cece. It's spring, said Anne. And it's a fine night for dancing, thought Cece. For dancing, murmured Anne. Then she was in the tub, and the soap creaming on her white seal shoulders, small nests of soap beneath her arms, and the flesh of her warm breasts moving in her hands, and sees he moving the mouth, making the smile, keeping the actions going. There must be no pause, no hesitation, or the entire pantomime might fall in ruins. Anne Leary must be kept moving, doing, acting, wash here, soap there, now out, rub with a towel, now, perfume and powder. You, Anne caught herself in the mirror, all whiteness and peakness like lilies and carnations. Who are you tonight? I'm a girl of seventeen. Cece gazed from her violet eyes. You can't see me. Do you know I'm here? Anne Leary shook her head. I've rented my body to an April witch for sure. Close, very close, laughed Cece. Now, on with your dressing. The luxury of feeling good clothes move over an ample body, and then the halloo outside. Anne, Tom's back. Tell him to wait. Anne sat down suddenly. Tell him I'm not going to that dance. What? said her mother in the door. Cece snapped back into attention. It had been a fatal relaxing, a fatal moment of leaving Anne's body for only an instant. She had heard the distant sound of horse hooves and the rig rambling through moonlight spring country. For a second, she thought, I'll go find Tom and sit in his head and see what it's like to be in a man of 22 on a night like this. And so she had started quickly across the heather field, but now, like a bird to a cage, flew back and rustled and beat about in Anne Leary's head. Tell him to go away! 
man. Cece settled down and spread her thoughts. Anne had the bit in her mouth now. No, no, I hate him. I shouldn't have left, even for a moment. Cece poured her mind into the hands of the young girl, into the heart, into the head, softly, softly. Stand up, she thought. Anne stood. Put on your coat. Anne put on her coat. Now march. No, thought Anne Leary. March. Anne, said her mother. Don't keep Tom waiting another minute. You get on out there and no nonsense. What's come over you? Nothing, mother. Good night. We'll be home late. Anne and Cece ran together into the spring evening. A room full of soft dancing pigeons ruffling their quiet trailing feathers. A room full of peacocks. A room full of rainbow eyes and lights. And in the center of it, around and around and around, danced Anne Leary. Oh, it is a fine evening, said Cece. Oh, it is a fine evening, said Anne. You're odd, said Tom. The music whirled them in dimness. In rivers of song, they floated, they bobbed, they sank down, and they arose for air. They gasped. They clutched each other like drowning people and whirled on again in fan motions, in whispers and sighs, to beautiful Ohio. Cece hummed. Anne's lips parted and the music came out. Yes, I'm odd, said Cece. Hmm, you're not the same, said Tom. No, not tonight. You're not the Anne Leary that I knew. No, not at all. Not at all, whispered Cece, miles and miles away. No, not at all, said the moved lips. I've the funniest feeling, said Tom. Oh, about what, said Anne. Hmm, about you. He held her back and danced her and looked into her glowing face, watching for something. Your eyes, he said. I can't figure it out. Do you see me? Asked Cece. Part of you's here, Anne, but part of you's not. Tom turned her carefully, his face uneasy. Yes, said Anne. Huh, why did you come with me? Well, I I didn't want to come, said Anne. Well, why did you then? Something made me. What, what, what do you mean? I don't know. Anne's voice was faintly hysterical. Now, now. Hush, 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 whispered Cece. Hush, that's it. 
around and around and around. They whispered and rustled and rose and fell away in the dark room, with the music moving and turning them. But you did come to the dance, said Tom. I did, said Cece. Here. And he danced her lightly out an open door and walked her quietly away from the hall and the music and the people. They climbed up and sat together in the rig. Anne, he said, taking her hands and trembling. Anne. But the way he said her name, it was as if it wasn't her name. He kept glancing into her pale face, and now her eyes were open again. I used to love you. You know that, he said. I know. But you've always been fickle, and I didn't want to get hurt. It's just as well, Tom. We were very young, said Anne. No, I mean to say I'm sorry, said Cece. Well, what do you mean? Tom dropped her hands and stiffened. The night was warm, and the smell of earth shimmered up all about them where they sat, and the fresh trees breathed one leaf against another in a shaking and rustling. I don't know, said Anne. Oh, but I know, thought Cece. You're tall, and you're the finest-looking man in all the world. This is a good evening, and this is an evening I'll always remember being with you. But, said Tom, blinking, tonight you're here, you're there, one minute one way, the next minute another. I wanted to take you to the stance tonight for old time's sake. I meant nothing by it when I first asked you. And then, when we were standing at the well, I knew something had changed, had really changed about you. You were different. There was something new and soft and something... He groped for a word. I don't know. I can't say. The way you looked. Something about your face. And I know I'm in love with you again. No, said Cece. With me. With we. And I'm afraid of being in love with you, he said. You'll hurt me again. I might, said Anne. No, no, I'd love you with all my heart, thought Cece. Anne, say it to him. Say it for me. Say you love him with all your heart. Anne said nothing. Tom moved quietly closer and put his hand up to hold her chin. I'm going away. I've got a job a hundred miles from here. Will you miss me? Yes. Yes, said Anne and Cece. May I kiss you goodbye then? Oh, yes, said Cece before anyone else could speak. He placed his lips to the strange mouth. He kissed the strange mouth and he was trembling. Anne sat like a white statue. Anne, said Cece, move your arms, hold him. She sat like a carved wooden doll in the moonlight. 
Again, he kissed her lips. I do love you, whispered Cece. I'm here. It's me you saw in her eyes. It's me, and I love you, if she never will. He moved away and seemed like a man who had run a long distance. He sat beside her. I I don't know what's happening. For a moment there. Yes? Asked Cece. For a moment, I thought... He put his hands to his eyes. Oh, never mind. Shall I take you home now? Please, said Anne Leary. He clucked to the horse, snapped the reins tiredly, and drove the rig away. They rode in the rustle and slap and motion of the moonlit rig and still early. Only eleven o'clock spring night, with the shining meadows and sweet fields of clover gliding by. And Cece, looking at the fields and meadows, thought, It would be worth it. It would be worth everything to be with him from this night on. And she heard her parents' voices again, faintly. Be careful. You wouldn't want to lose your magical powers, would you? Married to a mere mortal. Be careful. You wouldn't want that. Yes. Yes. Thought Cece. Even that I'd give up, here and now, if he would have me. I wouldn't need to roam the spring nights then. I wouldn't need to live in birds and dogs and cats and foxes. I need only be with him. Only him. Only him. The road passed under, whispering. Tom, said Anne at last. What? He stared coldly at the road, the horse, the trees, the sky, the stars. If you're ever in years to come at any time in Greentown, Illinois, a few miles from here, will you do me a favor? Perhaps. Will you do me the favor of stopping and seeing an old friend of mine? Anne Leary said this haltingly, awkwardly. Why? She's a good friend. I told her of you. I'll give you her address. Just a moment. When the rig stopped at her farm, she drew forth the pencil and paper from her small purse and wrote in the moonlight, pressing the paper to her knee. There it is. Can you read it? He glanced at the paper and nodded bewilderedly. C.C. Elliot, 12 Willow Street, Greentown, Illinois, he said. Will you visit her someday? Asked Anne. Hmm. Someday, he said. Promise? What has this to do with us? He cried savagely. What do I want with names and papers? He crumpled the paper into a tight ball and shoved it into his coat. Oh, please, promise. Begged Cece. Promise, said Anne. All right, all right, now let me be, he shouted. I'm tired, thought Cece. I can't stay, I have to go home. I'm weakening. I've only the power to stay a few hours like this in the night. Traveling, traveling. But before I go... Before I go, said Anne. 
and she kissed Tom on the lips. This is me kissing you, said Cece. Tom held her off and looked at Anne Leary and looked deep, deep inside. He said nothing, but his face began to relax slowly, very slowly, and the lines vanished away, and his mouth softened from its hardness, and he looked deep again into the moonlight face held here before him. Then he put her off the rig and, without so much as a good night, was driving swiftly down the road. Cece let go. Anne Leary, crying out, released from prison, it seemed, raced up the moonlit path to her house and slammed the door. Cece lingered for only a little while. In the eyes of a cricket, she saw the spring night world. In the eyes of a frog, she sat for a lonely moment by a pool. In the eyes of a nightbird, she looked down from a tall, moon-haunted elm and saw the light go out in two farmhouses, one here, one a mile away. She thought of herself and her family and her strange power and the fact that no one in the family could ever marry any one of the people in this vast world out here beyond the hills. Tom? Her weakening mind flew in a nightbird under the trees and over deep fields of wild mustard. Have you still got the paper, Tom? Will you come by someday, some year, some time to see me? Will you know me then? Will you look in my face and remember then where it was you saw me last and know that you love me as I love you? with all my heart for all time. She paused in the cool night air, a million miles from towns and peoples, above farms and continents and rivers and hills. Tom. Softly. Tom was asleep. It was deep night. His clothes were hung on chairs or folded neatly over the end of the bed and in one silent, carefully upflung hand upon the white pillow, by his head, was a small piece of paper with writing on it. Slowly, slowly, a fraction of an inch at a time, his fingers closed down upon it and held it tightly. And he did not even stir or notice when a blackbird, faintly, wondrously, beat softly for a moment against the clear moon crystals of the window pane. Then, fluttering quietly, stopped and flew away towards the east, over the sleeping earth. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mavsky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mavsky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. 
Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.